Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. What's up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday. I don't know what day it is, but it's the day after the Egg Bowl. Uh, November what? 29th. Edition of the Rebel Report podcast. You heard it first here. Uh, I am in a closet at my parents' house in Jackson, Mississippi, trying to find a uh, relatively quiet space. We are on Skype today. Uh, Ole Miss loses the... Do they take what? your bedroom already? No, 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 no. The bedroom is attached to the closet, but my brother is sleeping in the other room, so I'm trying not to wake him up. And if someone comes up here to call my name to eat leftovers or any other reason, I don't want them to be able to find me because I don't want to have to talk to them while I'm podcasting. So closet it is. It's fairly spacious closet in here, and I've got my setup, so we're all good. Um, late night last night, I got back around 2.45 in the morning from Starkville, Um to be honest, I don't know what the hell I just watched. Uh, that was kind of the theme of the car ride home as I sat there and was like, what just happened? Like, I, I, I You can read the postgame coverage at supertalk.fm. Um, I wrote, I kept, as I kept writing into the night last night of that city, I was like, I don't think anything I write is going to do this justice. Uh, I did my best. You can read it at supertalk.fm. I led with hiked leg and all, Old Miss pissed away the 2019 Egg Bowl. Uh, if that doesn't win a Pulitzer, I don't. I think they should probably just can the award. Um, but wild, wild game that Ole Miss really. And it, I mean, honestly, the piss was just a microcosm. They pissed it away in a number of different ways before yeah. the actual dog pee. Um, but they lose twenty-one twenty. I don't really know where to start. We're not doing Mailbag Friday. There's too much to talk about. Uh, I didn't ask questions. It was Thanksgiving. Uh, I guess just initial thought. You, you don't want to talk about basketball first? I'm no, I do not. <laughs> Uh, look, what Elijah Moore did was absolutely boneheaded and stupid. And frankly, I don't like blaming players for losses. But if you want to put that one on him. I mean, that's about as directly as it, as it can be. Yeah, I mean, like, you, there's people getting pissed at Luke Logan for Ole Miss asking him to do something he probably can't do. Like, And I'm sorry, the kid can't make field goals right now. He was 11 of 20 and, and was terrible inside of 40. Like, they asked the kid to do something he really, really struggles to do. The field goal would have been good from 20 yards, though. Um, I don't think he made one from 40 all year, 40-plus yeah. all year, and that was 36. So, I mean, like, I, I'm not trying to be funny. If he had made that, that would have been pushing a season high. Yes. Like, I'm not – you can't be mad at the kid for them asking him to do – obviously, Matt has, to, Matt has to send him out there to kick it. But, yeah, that at was At least he's been consistent. He sucked all year, but he's consistently sucked. Yeah. Like, yeah. you knew what you were getting. Yes. Um, that one's on Elijah Moore. That being said, I, look, there's a lot of people that that are that are not happy with Ole Miss's football program and, and all that. I don't really get the people that are saying you can't, you know, put some of that on Matt Luke because of the, the discipline or whatever. I can guarantee you that doesn't happen under Nick Saban. It doesn't happen under Kirby. It just doesn't happen to a coach that they have some respect for and have a little bit that has a little bit of an authority figure like. That's the most direct result of blowing a football game, not by anything happening in a play that I have ever seen. And it just wouldn't happen under coaches that have control of their team. I'm sorry. It would never happen at Alabama. 
Yeah, I struggle with this as well because, it, I mean, I, I, you, you, you do have a point in the sense that he's now coached to this game for three years, and the and something has happened all three years. But co- co- coincidentally enough, something's happened on the state side all three years in a row too. I know it's been two different coaches. But so, like, how do you make that argument and not make it for Moorhead or whoever else as well? Uh, I was talking to Richard about this uh, kind of basically coming at it more so from the angle you are right now on the way home last night. And he said, well, and I was like, well, Luke says they're an undi- uh, di- they're a disciplined football team for most of the year. And I was like, I don't necessarily believe that. And then Richard, I'm just going to take his word for it, said he looked it up and Ole Miss is one of, if not the least penalized team in the conference. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I don't know about 2018 or 2017, but like at least in a sheer number sense as far as penalties and discipline, that kind of flies in the face of it. But again, at the same time, I mean, at a certain point, you got to kind of control your team in, in games like this. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is more Luke or just more how stupid this entire rivalry's gotten. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, I, I think both can be true. Um, and I don't necessarily look. I, I get the penalty things. I don't necessarily think penalties are a great gauge for discipline because I don't think because you get beat off the line and you held somebody that you're undisciplined. I think you just got beat off the line. Or you commit pass interference. Like I, I think there's a there's a line that has to be drawn there. But I can tell you it doesn't happen under Nick Saban. And I'm not saying Matt Luke should beat Nick Saban. For the love of God, don't misquote me on that or, or misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm saying if you have control of your football team from a disciplinary perspective, that does not happen. They have enough self-awareness to know what, if we score, we still have to kick the extra point to go to overtime or go for two to win the game. And if I screw that up, I'm going to really – I'm gonna I'm gonna really screw up our odds to win the football game, and some reason they don't have that awareness. Like, it blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I, I think it's more indicative of how dumb this rivalry's gotten in a lot of senses. But like, like you know, a kid in well, that moment okay. is, is I'll, he I'll is, just a second here. Elijah Moore's like from Texas, right? Like he's not even a Mississippi kid, and he didn't play much in it last year. I don't know if that was a. I think that was just him going rogue and being a dumbass. Yeah, that's fine, but like that doesn't mean he doesn't like feel the rivalry. I don't think you have to be from the state for the players to feel that. I think you're seeing that in a number of different areas. I mean, the it, I get in a lot of ways you could argue the other way that the example of this rivalry has gotten so stupid that it's no longer just dudes that were here from the Mullen era and the Leo Lewis and all that. It's now guys that had nothing to do with that, like Elijah Moore and. I mean, Macarell really didn't either. I guess he was kind of recruited through some of it, but like in the fight last year, I don't know. Either way, it was dumb. I just, I don't think as an 18, 19 year old kid, he's sitting there thinking in that moment, like, oh, yeah, our kicker sucks. I can't get flagged for this. Well, that doesn't make it smart. But like, I obviously he was not thinking that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. I just, like, it's interesting because of the obviously timing matters and everything. Like when DK did it, everyone thought it was funny, and now everyone wants to kick more off the team. But the only difference is the time and score. Well, yeah, but that, that that's kind of relevant. No, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not, but at the same time, like they did the exact same thing. No, nobody's mad about the or let me let me rephrase. Most people are not mad about the action. If the dude would have done anything to draw a personal foul in that situation, they would have been upset. Yeah, I agree. So I did, I full disclosure, I didn't actually see what he did to get flagged immediately. I was on the crowded sideline, uh, not the tallest guy in the world here either, and they score, and I'm kind of trying to walk. To, I'm actually walking towards Ole Miss's sideline from the, 
from the side of the end zone to try to figure out. And I knew the answer to this question before I even walked over there trying to figure out. But I'm looking over there just going, hey, is Riverboat Gambler Matt Luke going to go for two? Or is the kicker coming out on the field? And, of course, Moore took, so Moore took the decision out of his hands. Uh, but we'll get to what he was going to do in a second. But I didn't see what he's flagged for. So then I, I didn't see it until after the game. So I was sitting in the interview room and some TV guy, and I, forgive me, I, I don't know his name at this point, um, showed it to me. And I'm just sitting there thinking, holy shit. I like this added a whole other element. And then I found my lead for the night. Um, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't watch I mean, that point because I knew what was going to happen. Um, just, just crazy. I mean, a bit like where, if you're talking about where that's coming from, he's obviously paying homage to Metcalf. And you've, if, I don't know if you've done, if you noticed, like these receivers in this, I mean, they had the whole NWO thing going on. They have a very tight knit bond. Even the ones that don't even really play, like don't like don't currently play, like the DK Metcalfs or the Elijah Moore, the AJ Browns, the Elijah Moore. Like I'm sure he's just shouting out his boy. I'm not justifying this. Don't 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 get it twisted here. But like, I, if you're trying to figure out where that's coming from. I think it's more so like, hell yeah, that's my guy, DK. Like, I'm following in his footsteps. Obviously, inexplicably stupid. Uh, one of the more selfish plays I've ever seen. I mean, I think I described it in my story as inexplicably selfish. And oh, it's hard to fathom, like, uh, doing something like that in that moment. Um, and then, of course, at that point, like, I knew how this movie ended. I knew 100% that kick was sailing wide one way. It was not going through the uprights. There's this, in my mind, I know this isn't backed up by, like, Math, but there was a zero percent chance the kick was going in. Someone made a good zero. Point. Someone made a good point on my Twitter feed before he even kicked it. He said, "There's better odds they convert a, a two point conversion than he makes this kick." And I, I said that in the post game. I said that in the post game. I was like, I, "I know you can't actually do this," and I'm being somewhat tongue in cheek. But I think they'd have, given the way they converted the fourth and twenty four. They just ran a fourth and thirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I. I, they would have had a better shot, I think, than Luke Logan kicking the extra point. I'm not knocking Luke for not going for it there, but I guess that is a decent transition to – he was asked after the game uh, by someone, and then I asked him to clarify because he kind of gave a middling answer. Even if that penalty hadn't happened, he was going to play for overtime, which in my mind is un – well, one, to me it's somewhat indefensible. I know it's hard to call a decision to take a game into overtime indefensible – but two is just mind-boggling and so on-brand Matt Luke, it hurts. Um, I, uh, I actually compiled a short list of names for Matt Luke to describe this. <laughs> and I think it is Matt would never dare to, dare to file for a tax extension, Luke. Uh, <laughs> Matt buys a Honda Civic over a Ferrari because of gas mileage, Luke. Um, can, I, can I get one? Yeah, that's fine. Matt, Matt stays on 12 with a face card up, Luke. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Matt keeps his uh, cruise control two miles under the speed limit, Luke. Um, just, <laughs> I mean, I just, I. It, All right. <laughs> you're a fool. His logic. Now, he, he said, I felt like we were in a good spot. You're a four and seven team. With all three of your running backs banged up, your backup quarterback in the game because you don't trust the, uh, you don't, you, you stop basically trusting <laughs> the, the starting guy. And a defense had given up 200 yards on the ground. What constitutes a good position? I'm just curious. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to defend Matt Luke here because I don't defend Matt Luke. Is it possible, just hear me out on this, that he wasn't going to say they, would go, they were going to go for two to defend Elijah Moore? Because when you, do, when you say, hey, I was going to go for two, you're kind of throwing the kid under the bus. 
is, is there a world where he was going to go for two and then lied to kind of not throw his kid under the bus? I don't think that's throwing your kid under the bus. Yeah, I he mean, threw what, himself under the bus with that decision. Like he he defended Luke Logan and said, "I believe in him." All that stuff, whether that's true or not, obviously he's not throwing his kid under the bus. But to say you were going, I I don't think I I don't see him saying, "Yeah, we were going to go for two, but we couldn't with the penalty." Is throwing Elijah Moore under the bus at all? I, I I don't see that at all because he's. I mean, he already commented on the penalty. He's already saying it was selfish. He already said, you know, that's not who he is. He's a good kid. He just got caught up in the moment. I don't see that as throwing under the bus at all. I legitimately think he was being honest. And I'll go as far as to say, I told Richard this last night, I would have said the opposite. Even if I wanted to go for two and this wasn't true, I, even if I was going to kick the extra point on Matt Luke, I would have said, yeah, I was going for two. I mean, it's just a PR disaster. Everyone thinks like, I mean, have a little bit of self-awareness, man. Everyone thinks you're the most conservative five out of ten guy on earth. At least lie. Give yourself some street cred. Lie. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm fine with that. Uh, operating on the premise that he was telling the truth, it, it, it's absolutely baffling that, that you would you would line up and kick the extra point when you have a quarterback that has just driven the field twice. I know he threw the interception. Um, you've got a running back in Jerion Ely that was close to busting one all game. Like You need three yards to win a game that you statistically had no likelihood to win. And you're going to hell. What's to say Matt Luke Logan was going to make the extra point, like even from twenty? Oh God, uh, just yeah, just boneheaded coaching decision after boneheaded coaching decision. Uh, Rick well, it just leads into how he. It just leads into how he. Uh, how he operates the whole time. I mean, Rick, I I was sitting next to Rick Cleveland last night uh, in the post. Well, as we were writing. And he went to the winning side, and he said, "Did Matt say he was going to go for uh, two? And I said, "No." He said he was going to kick the extra point, and you know, Rick kind of started shaking his head. And I was like, "Yeah, but it's it's on brand." I mean, you remember last year on fourth and one, he kicked to go to overtime against Vanderbilt in a year they couldn't go to a bowl game. Yeah, he did. That is the thing that he did do. So, like, it's completely on brand. And then he's punting last night. I mean, we I'm bouncing around here. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but last night. He's fourth and five. They're down 21-14 with 10 minutes to go in a game they're trailing. They're playing for absolutely nothing but pride in that inanimate object that everyone gets so infatuated with. And he punts. I didn't mind that one. But, dude, show some balls at some point. I'm not – that one's not indefensible. But, like, hold on. Just grow a pair for a minute, in my opinion. What do you have to lose? One play after Ole Miss punted State was exactly where they would have turned the ball over on downs. One play. Yeah. 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 Um. Because your defense wasn't exactly playing that well. Although they only did give up, what, seven points in the second half? Yes, uh, they gave up seven points. 318 yards of offense, 200 of it on the ground. Defense was probably played their worst game of the season outside of Missouri. I mean, obviously, LSU. I think. I mean, not from a yardage standpoint. It was weird because they did get some stops and were kind of the reason Ole Miss had chances late. But they did get gashed on the ground. So they didn't get killed from a yardage standpoint. They were okay against the air. It was it was Missouri asking how they were getting beat on the ground. I mean that was really the only other time. Like if you remember Missouri, they couldn't stop that Roundtree kid. They couldn't stop the backup, and it led to them just really being off balance all night because Kelly Bryant's a better thrower than Garrett Schrader, and they just couldn't get off the field on third down. You could just feel them on their heels. That had a similar feel last night. To State's credit, with the bad offensive line, they uh they found ways to 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 open up holes and move the football. And Kylan Hill had a great game. I. The, to me, again, I'm bouncing around all over the place. The way State actually won this game was what they did on the ground and then what they did to John Rice Plumley. I thought Bob Shoup did an incredible job. I mean, they played Plumley differently than anyone's played him this year. They basically did not allow him to get the edge 
and dared three running backs to beat him. I, I thought their state's defensive game plan was really good. That's where they won the game, in my opinion. It, it, it's almost like if you have really athletic linebackers who are disciplined, you're not going to be able to just outrun them to the edge and cut it upfield and get 45 yards. It's almost well, like yeah, that and they have they, state's a different defense with their full complement of players. I, I think that may have been undersold slightly. Yeah, Willie Gay's a hell of a player. Um, yeah, just this offense isn't going to work. And 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 how? Speaking of self awareness from Matt Luke, him to have the gall to say that they're going to evaluate the quarterback position in the offseason, buddy. There's nothing to evaluate. Matt, Matt Corral is leaving. You're playing John Rice Plummer. Like, what are you evaluating? <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll get to that. Get to that now. As 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 ow, golly, I just stubbed my toe on the door. Ooh, ooh. Welcome to Thanksgiving. We're still podcasting. This is still live. This is still rolling. I want to cuss I and scream, but I I'm not going to. That, uh, I didn't get stronger language than that. Yeah. Um, we're good. We're good. <laughs> this is fitting. Um. Anyway, this podcast is eerily mirroring kind of what I wrote in the story last night, whereas uh, after, you know, the dog pee thing is addressed, Ole Miss lost this game or pissed this game away, if you'd like to use that phrase, long, long before this personal foul in a number of different ways. It was to me, the conservative nature of punting at midfield didn't help things. They got gashed on the ground. Um, state had a really good game plan against Plumley. I mean, dude, they're, they're way better defenses than state that didn't allow Plumley to rush for, and that didn't hold Plumley to 38 yards. And I like some of its offensive scheme, but I don't think it all is like you, at some point you, at a certain point you do have to tip your hat for how they played him. I, I they, he looked way different than he's looked all year. I mean, he couldn't get the edge. They they, they were not letting John Rice Plumley beat them. They were going to let Jerry on Ely and Snoop Connor in a not healthy Scotty Phillips beat them. Um, so they, they lost it in a lot of different areas, and, and they, they weren't very good against the run uh, themselves. So this game was lost long before that. Uh, and But obviously what's going to get remembered is the, the dog pee and, and everything like that. But really, Ole Miss shouldn't have even had that chance. So I actually uh, – I just got down to the field for the fourth and 24. Like, if he doesn't miss that, like, man, honestly, Matt Luke caught a little bit of a break because where's 100% of the anger in the crosshairs if they don't get the fourth and 24? Uh, Matt Luke. Correct. Um, they hit a prayer over the middle of the field. I uh, Did you hear what Corral said on the post game? Okay, yeah, I was about to bring that up. I didn't know if Richard – see, Richard told me this last night, and uh, – and I didn't know if Corral told him that on air or yep. if uh, they had something he said to the side, so I was hesitant to share. Yeah, this is wild. Go ahead. Uh, he basically told Braylon Sanders, uh, Ole Miss wanted to run all goes, wanted to run nines down the field. And Matt Corral, at the beginning of the play, told Braylon Sanders, run a post. They're going to bite for Elijah Moore. I don't care what the coaches said. I'm going to hit you. Go catch it. And I'll be damned. The kid did. And they chose the running guy who plays baseball instead, right? <laughs> you remember when we were we were idiots for saying they should play Matt Crowell and that John Rice Plumley gave him the best chance to win? Yeah, but I to to I to be completely fair on that, uh, the kind of the irony irony of Corral getting pulled here is John Rice Plumley had his best game in an old yes, throwing the football bar none. Uh, I guess we could get to that now. I know we're kind of all over the place. I don't really care. Look, man, like he, 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 I mean, what would have, I, I texted a, call, a bunch of buddies of mine that are just degenerate gamblers last night in this group message that we have uh, and said, 
What would a, what would a prop bet been that John Rice Pumley throws three passes on a drive? What would a prop bet be that he hit three different receivers in a game? And what would a prop bet have been that he hit three different receivers on the same drive? Yeah. Um, just, but, but, but not to belabor the point, he, he hits three different receivers, but it's he's not throwing the five-yard outs. That was really the first evidence and the first glimpse we got of his ability to push the ball down the field. That first scoring drive, he made three money throws. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, it was his best game as a quarterback from throwing the football perspective. So I guess that maybe gives you a little bit of confidence for you know next year, except for the fact that you pulled it with five minutes left to go in the game. You put the kid in that is transferring. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that's the wild part in this anyway. So what I was kind of getting at when you are saying you remember when we were crazy for saying Matt Corral should play, well, yes, I still probably wouldn't have pulled the plug on Matt Corral as quickly as they did, but I was going to kind of give them props for going in a direction if that's what they really wanted to go with Plumlee. And if he's able to throw like that somewhat consistently, they've got a special weapon. They've got something. And if that's the decision they want to go with, fine. But then to your point, they pull him with seven minutes to go in the game. And if that if they really think that Corral – I mean, it worked. But if they think Corral is their best chance throwing the ball, that's fine. But at a certain point, I know they want to win games. I know they don't think about it that way. To me, that was another example of Matt Luke's inability to think about anything in the macro in the long term that really just makes people view him as incompetent. Because the yep. whole reason they went to Plumlee in the first place, I think, is because Matt Luke thought it was his best chance to win games in the short term. And then when he saw he couldn't throw it, backfired. So now, like, the waffling on the quarterbacks thing and refusing to go in a direction is not a two-quarterback system. A two-quarterback system is when you put both guys in there, you rapid-fire rotate them and out, and, you know, keep the defense off balance. That is waffling, and that is indecision as a head coach. The way he handles the quarterback is the way Matt Luke does. Like, to me, that's very indicative of him not being able to make tough and crucial decisions about the long-term future of his program. That's all the – I mean, that's – that's. I don't know how you could find a more crystal clear example. Yeah. No, I mean, you either believe in this kid that, that you have in a quarterback or you don't. If you believe in him, then let him play. He's down 21 to 14. There's plenty of time left. There wasn't a minute and a half left. If there was a minute and a half left, I get it. Corral's got the better arm. No, you put this cat in with seven minutes left, so you don't believe in it? Then why in the hell did you start him for seven games? Uh, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. If it was just a two-minute drill, fine. But you have seven minutes left, and Pumley's throwing the ball better than he has all year. Like, that excuse doesn't hold up. Just, just absolutely insane. Um, I don't know what – John Rice Plumley is the quarterback next year, and you just benched him. Like I know I've just said that. Exactly. No, exactly. What kind of message does that send? I don't understand. Yeah. It, look, I, I texted a buddy of mine that covers Kentucky who just uh, – shout out Derek Terry. He's just infatuated with the state of Mississippi and, and Matt Luke and just all of that nonsense that goes on that is perceived as normal down here. And he texted me last night and said, you know, I, I know the decision worked, but uh, like – he said, I know something to the effect of, I know the decision worked, but still not sure it was the right call. And I said, that's exactly what it was. I mean, it worked, but what kind of message are you sending? That's in such a strange message. Like, you finally thought you had some quarterback clarity, right? And this is the direction Ole Miss is going into 2020. This is who they're building around. And then you yank him in the last game of the season for a guy that's certainly transferring. Matt Corral's going to be a hero from the transfer portal. <laughs> what if, just, just, devil's ad we get here. Matt Corral leads, not even devil's advocate. Matt Corral leads the 
Ole Miss travels down. And then wins the game in overtime. Wins the game in overtime and transfers to Oregon. Like, like what are you even selling at that point? It's it's peak Matt Luke in my opinion. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. Like that that is that is peak inability to think in the long term and think about anything in the long term future other than what's happening on that Saturday and how to win football games. And I get co- that's coach's first and foremost job is how to win football games. Well, but my God, that. man, at the most important position on the field, at some point you got to send some kind of message in the long term. And I don't know what they're sending. I mean, I was ready to write last night. Like, win or lose, win or lose, I went in that game thinking if they win and Plumlee runs wild, I'm writing about how, hey, this is what, like, this is the upside of this. This is why they chose Plumlee. He's throwing a little better. This is what they can build around. Here's the evidence that, or if they lost, hey, this is the risk you take with Plumlee. It's one-dimensional state, bottled it up, blah, blah, blah. And it just pissed all over that because now you sent, now you just further murkied an already weird picture pretty much needlessly. Yeah. I mean, look, did – I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. Yeah, putting Matt Corral in the game there probably gave you a better chance to win. But he gave you a better chance to win in the first quarter, too. Look, we I think we both said that we think they win the A&M game if Matt Corral plays the entire game. Because, I mean, they lost by seven, Plumlee had two turnovers, and accounted for 90 yards. I think they win the A&M game. Right? I think they win last night if he plays the entire game. So if you would have just stuck to your guns, I think this team's bowl eligible. Yeah, I mean, I think the re- I, I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree at all. And I think the real reason Plumlee was benched last night is because State wasn't allowing him to really get anything on the ground. And so if he's not able to use his feet very well, then what real value does he have? I think that's really what the decision came down to. Matt Corral looked good his last I don't know, four games. Like you go Because he has arm talent. He's an unrefined 19-year-old redshirt freshman that they quit on after four games. Again, I I, I will say hand up a little bit. I I was skeptical of them being able to go with Plumlee. But if he's going to be able to throw it like that and showed flashes of it last night, then they have a chance. They've got something there, and I think it's a defensible decision. But it's undeniable Matt Corral has more arm talent and is just really kind of unrefined because he's 19 years old and they quit on him after four games. 58%, 7.6 58%, 7.6 yards per attempt, 6-3 to three touchdown interception. Like, I mean, if you just say that is 2-1 to one and you get, I think, 58% completion, 7.65 yards per attempt, you would take that from a, tr- or a redshirt freshman quarterback. Like, like, that's not a bad year. And somehow, old Miss managed to butcher that. Um, but then again, I, it's, 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 it's only thinking in the short term. He pulled the plug on Matt Corral. Because he thought he needed to win six games, that was his best way to do it. He, he look, man, well, you shit, can't. Can you think? can't. But so what? Can he not think? Like he thought that putting in the kid that was going to only be able to run was going to be his path to six wins. Well, dude, but but aside, that aside, personnel and skill set aside, the the it's the inability to think long term, like you or to make sound decisions. You can't sell. Hey, Corral's the future of the program. Look at all these freshmen. We're building. We're building. It may not happen this year. We're building. We're building. This is a long-term play. And then go to your backup running spark plug quarterback because it thinks you it helps you win games in the short term. Those are two contradictory like contradictory decisions. So he's you talk about talking out of both sides of your mouth. This isn't the perfect analogy, but he's selling long-term, but only making decisions for the short-term. And they're contradicting each other and hurting the program. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% accurate. I mean, you, you, you took the kid out that is going to be your quarterback next year, Sands Robbie Ashford, just coming in and lighting it up. 
Um, I mean, it'd be one thing if you just lost the Egg Bowl, man. If you just go over there and, you know, corral or not corral, Plumley just can't get it done. He turns it over on the last drive. You lose 21 to 14. Yeah, people are pissed off. But I don't think it's this bad. I don't think you butchering the quarterback decision and then putting in the kid that probably should have been the quarterback all year is going to do you any favors with a fan base that, frankly, you have no support with. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that as well. And it's almost like it's it's <clears throat> it's the decision worked, but that's not really the point. Yeah, I mean, I guess he lost the football game. And I know No, no, sure, but the going to Corral was successful. Like Corral played well, Sands the bad yeah. pick, but that's not really the point here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you give him four quarters and I think he puts five touchdowns on the board because Mississippi State wasn't exactly stopping him. But I mean to the even if even if Matt, even if Matt Corral wins the game in overtime, it's still a weird thing oh, to do absolutely. and a weird message to send the offseason. That doesn't really change that. People are more happy because you know you win the they won the rivalry game or whatever. Yeah. But like that's still will, weird. I will say this: if Matt Corral wins the football game in overtime, do, is there any possibility that he's he's the starting quarterback again? I don't see how. Hey, why would you want to do that if you're Corral? Uh, that, that's my thing. Dude, I would give half my bank account to be able to sit in and listen to what Matt Luke is going to say to Matt Corral to try to keep him from going to Oregon. Like, hey, man, sorry we benched you uh, after telling you for a year and a half that you were going to be the starting quarterback. Sorry that we put you on the bench. And also, please don't leave. Like, like what are you telling this kid to try to keep him here? Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean – well, like say he wins the, if he wins the game last night, like if I were Matt Corral and I'd have won that game, and then anyone says he to me about next year, I would have said, "Actually, f you! Like I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to Oregon. Thank you." He got oh. a raw deal in all of this, and really just got. I mean, again, if they really want to go to Plumlee, that's fine. But you can't like the, the critical the critical mistake here where Matt Luke can't win either way is once you decide to go to Plumlee, you can't continue to waffle back and forth. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. I think Matt Luke knows what he should have done, and it bothers him um, that he made the mistake, but it just, like, he couldn't get all the way out of it, and then it just kind of broke on him that, oh, crap, I should have been playing this kid all along, and he put him in the game. Yep. So, 2019 season ends 4-8. and eight. Um, They beat Arkansas. They beat Vanderbilt. They beat New Mexico State. And they beat Southeastern Louisiana. They were in virtually every game they played, Sands, Alabama, and LSU. They, um, I would even say they were in LSU. They were down, what, yeah, 10 or 11 in the fourth? Yeah, they were kind of in LSU. Never really felt like they were, had a chance no. to win that game. But they, you know, four and eight, they were in just about every game. 2019 was always going to be a struggle from this is, this was supposed to be the bottoming out year from the NCAA standpoint. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, tons of freshmen on the field. Look at the numbers of how many freshmen like accounted for yardages and touchdowns offensively. Uh, the defense was improved, but they didn't win games down the stretch. And so, you know, I mean, 2020 should be dubbed the year of results. I wrote this last night in my story because now if it, it's you have no excuses. Like there's no more NCAA stuff. You're in year two with your coordinators. It is your program. You win or you're fired is basically how this next year is going to go. Let's just hypothetically pretend that Ole Miss has – and they don't. Let's just pretend that they have beoodles of money. He's fired this year, right? 
Like, like yes. if they could afford to fire him, they he his ass would be gone. Correct. Uh, yeah, I. I and if, and if I'm Keith Carter, I don't say that publicly, but I tell him that. Like, bro, you, the only reason you're still here is because we don't have the money in the checking account to write out the staff and you, um, which is unfortunate for an SEC program. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't think he can survive a 2-5 and five start, which I think is what he's going next year. I don't think he gets on the bus to go to, I think, Nashville. Well, no, not Nashville. I don't think he coaches the eighth game of the season next year. Um. Well, to your point about the 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 Keith Carter thing, I, does it even really need to be said? It seems fairly obvious. Well, I mean, so did playing Matt Corral for twelve games, but Matt Luke didn't see that. I agree, but I, I think I, I think he knows that. I, I'm just going to be honest. I think he knows. Um. But yeah, I mean, next year is the year of results. This is it. Like, there's no more. Hey, this is a young team. Hey, the NCAA tab thing. Like 2019 was going to be a brutal, like the kind of the last brutal year of the NCAA tab, but all that's over. Like there should never be any mention of scholarships, NCAA, none of that stuff anymore. Like that, that's not like he's now in a really de facto mm, year three. I mean, this is really year three. Sure. I'm not going to hundred percent count the interim year. So in any scenario ever, you know, I mean, say Chad Morris had gone four and eight this year. He was going to have to win in year three. He'd have been yeah. back and he'd have to win. Like, this is now it. I mean, it's, I mean, put up or shut up is basically the, for, in lack of a better phrase, he has to win next year. And he's got a daunting and front loaded schedule. And, you know, good luck to him. Cause what I don't know, I, I don't have the order pulled up in front of me, but it's Baylor and then it's Alabama, Auburn, LSU are the three conference games. Yeah. And then Florida's in there too. Um, let me, let me say this. I don't think, I don't necessarily think six and six saves in next year. I don't think – I think there's a world where you win, you know, Georgia Southern, Middle – or UConn and – It depends Northern. on how it's, how they get to six and I six. I don't think you can get six – go six and six beating State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas and save your job. I, no, I there's there's got to be an Auburn or a Baylor or somewhere or in Florida. there. Florida, yeah. 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 Because, I mean, you, you, you can't – you can't you, – you can't uh, – indict the guy for losing to Alabama no, and LSU, but there's, there's got to be an Auburn, a Florida, a Texas A&M-ish on the road yeah. type of deal next year, uh, depending on how, because they should be pretty good next year. Like, that's kind of supposedly their launching point. So, that's got to happen. And uh, another thing I was going to write last night, but it, it, the story was getting long-winded and I just balked on it for now because there's plenty of time to do it. What confidence do you have, like, if, if from what you've seen this year, uh, that they're going to win close games in the fourth quarter. I mean, I know they're all freshmen, but take it out of the kids' hands for a second. What, like, how do you, like, what confidence do you have that that staff is going to put them in position to win close games? Well, they they don't win close games. Like they weren't young last year when they were losing close games. So, um, I, I I have zero confidence that he's going to be able to to win close football games as the head coach of the University of Mississippi. I, I mean, there, there's zero reason to believe that he will. Uh, yeah, and I had a couple of people uh, text me last night about like, like how in the world is he not fired? He went six and six, five and seven, four and eight. Like, I don't think that's completely genuine in the sense that like he, you know, two of those years were pretty extenuating circumstances, and this year they were kind of uphill battle. But all of that aside, again, like I keep saying, it's it's over. Now that's over with. It is one hundred percent put up or shut up. He has to win, or he's going to be fired. 
I mean, he, he, there, there's zero more excuses. And, I, and I'll give Matt credit. Matt's not making excuses. Um, but damn, man, at some point, you know, like, like you can't just keep losing every winnable game and continue to get, keep your job. That's not how it works. I'm trying to figure up his record in uh, one possession games over his first two years as head coach, and it ain't pretty. Uh, let's see. One in five, one in six. One and seven. My man is one and seven in one possession games over his first two years as head coach. Yeah, not great. And what's interesting is if they, I don't know if this is going to happen yet. We'll kind of see in the coming days. If they keep the same staff together, if there's minimal roster attrition, like, I mean, obviously there's going to be some quarterback attrition. There's probably some wide receiver to come, maybe a little bit on defense as well. Um, if, if they keep everything together, they should, like, again, this kind of leads to my point. There's no excuses. They should be a pretty decent football team next year. Should. I, I guess. Um, I, I mean, you, I got, think- you got two really good running backs. It's, we'll kind of see how they close in recruiting. They've got, you know, an uh, offensive line where you're not really losing anyone other than Givens and they're another year healthier. And Like, if, if, if there's any, any notion that – like if there's any evidence needed that an experienced offensive line is the best type of offensive line, it's the 2018 line versus the 2019. So they should be pretty good. Yeah, I I don't disagree. But when you have incompetence abounding throughout the program, I I mean, the, the, yeah, I'm just talking about personnel. It should be sure. a good roster. Sure, I don't disagree that it should be a good roster. I think if Vegas had to set their win total over under, it would be at six or six and a half. Um, Hammer that think, under. <laughs> I mean, it was a five this year. To be fair, I don't. I don't think it's going to. I'm not disagreeing with the set. I'm just telling you what the smart thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, incompetence abounds around that program. So uh, it just I, look. You're right. I don't think it's going to be a bad team from a talent perspective. I don't think it's going to win the football games that it needs to. Though. Oh yeah, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> but for personnel wise. Like, I love looking at this with NFL teams because there's always some teams that surprise you uh, with minimal talent and some teams that disappoint with good talent. But you can generally tell how a team is going to be in the NFL when you look at their roster post-training camp. There's good rosters and bad rosters. And Ole Miss will have a roster that's equipped to get to six or seven wins, without a doubt. Like, talent you talent will not be able to – like, you're not going to be able to blame it on that. Just not not going to. Not going to be able to what blame are, it on anything except Matt we- Luke. What are we talking about today if, if Elijah Moore doesn't dog piss in the end zone? They go for two and they don't get it. Like, is the conversation that much different? Uh, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's still what the hell are they doing with the quarterback position? Four and eight in a year that was always going to be tough, but they didn't do themselves any favors. Um, I'm probably going to give it Luke a little bit of a hat tip as far as just having the balls to go for it. But let's be honest, there's never a world where that was going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, God. But again, this is the 2019 was always going to be tough. I mean, that's just, there's no way around it. It was seen as the bottoming out year. They did. They, I mean, this was the, this was the year where the the, uh, talent was cycling out from the offensive side. Like, uh, the defense honestly was better than it probably was supposed to be at this point. That's a testament to Mike McIntyre. This was always going to be tough, but. You know, they were in a lot of games and didn't finish any of them off. Like, the thing is, if they go five and seven and, like, the A&M game goes their way or the Auburn game goes their way or the Cal game, one of these games they lost close and and, and if they just finally flip it and win a close one, I think people are less upset. 
because I went over Cal moves the needle. I went over Texas A&M moves the needle. Even to some degree, I went over really a pretty good Memphis team moves the needle. Wins over Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Steelaw, and New Mexico State do not move the needle. No, no, no. They, they most certainly do not. Um, so, yeah, t- tough loss for, for, for Matt Luke. I don't think he has any supporters left at all outside of the people that hired him, which I guess if you're going to have any supporters, those are the ones to have. Um, but, yeah, just just kind of in, insane, the, the situation that Ole Miss is in when you when you consider where they were five years ago today. Well, it's just weird. There was one one coach on the field last night whose job security was seriously in question, and, and it wasn't is. the one that finished four and eight. And still is. Um, yeah, there's still people that know things that are still convinced that regardless of the result, he's out. He's football coach at Mississippi State next year. I don't know he's getting fired. I don't think he's there, though. Um, I was reading a, a state beat reporter last night that was talking about, you know, he had the quote that they'd have to drag him out of there, and he was talking about Mississippi State officials would not confirm that he would be back as the head coach next year. Do you know how sad it is if you're Ole Miss and they fire their coach that just beat you and you keep Matt Luke? Like, good luck selling that one, Keith. Well, yeah, like he had – I know he kind of had the power to quote if they're going to have to drag my Yankee ass out of there. Well, about five or six checkbooks are actually going to drag his ass out of there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, Chief, they may do it. Chill. Yeah, like, yeah, easy there. And, like, to, that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, State's going back to a ball. They're 6-6, six and six, but they, they kind of got the game handed to them. Like, they didn't make a very many plays to win that game. They allowed the touchdown at the end. Like, like three ter- three turnovers or two? Three. Three turnovers. Three, oh, three turnovers all in plus territory for Ole Miss. Um, and, like, th- look, I credit to State. They won the game. They sure. had a fantastic defensive game plan. Sure. But – Moorhead's flexing on a result he had very little hand in playing because I think yeah. the defensive game plan is 100% shoot. Moorhead should get some credit for the way they ran the football. But outside of that, like, he didn't really do much. Yeah, but – and he may lose his job. Um, and yet Matt Luke is going to continue to be the head well, football coach. So that's something – if, if you want to get on that subject for a second, I have, I have some thoughts on that. If, okay. If – I, I mentioned this to Richard last night. The, the, like what they're what what is what are people nationally saying about Ole Miss today? They're uh, a national laughing stock. Yes, because Elijah Moore dog peed in the end zone and cost them the game. But they've been in the region, as Richard said. I said last night. I said, well, they've been a national laughing stock before that with the way they handle hires, the Matt Luke thing. But Richard said, no, I disagree. They've been a national afterthought and a regional laughing stock, and now they're a national laughing stock. And I said, okay, that's fair. But last night, I was just looking around. States run so much better than Ole Miss is. Look, the Moorhead hire is, may not work out. It ended up being great, not being great. But it's a justifiable hire. The way Cohen and Keenum ran that search and got one of the top offensive minds in the country at that point, like maybe they whiffed. But it was a justifiable hire, and it was a clear and coherent process. And then you look across the across the state, and Ole Miss settles on the interim guy down the hall because he beat a backup quarterback on Thanksgiving night. Uh, and just looking at everything, like state's in-game atmosphere, and those people are pissed at the head coach. Those people are pissed at the product on the field. State's in-game atmosphere tears Ole Misses to shreds. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean that, that's the, the for years. I mean, yeah, 
the the Indian I, and I some of this stems from Mullen having them consistently good and winning and and people just kind of like still, that tradition so lingering but absolutely destroys Ole Miss to shreds even just the way they handle senior night they had some cool song playing and they had like fireworks whenever the kid would run out and then like on the field and it was rapid fire rapid fire and where Ole Miss even just stuff like that I mean I'm I'm picking nits here but it, they just don't do the little things well to where state does everything better than Ole Miss and from yeah. a management standpoint yeah it uh it must be nice to have your rival hire an incompetent chancellor an unqualified football coach and the AD was I'm I'm not gonna say Keith was unqualified, but and the and the two I'll call the football coach and the chancellor the two biggest positions on on campus. Your rival hired incompetent and unqualified people. It must be a nice life. Um, so. Yeah, like Keenum seems like a smart guy, and I don't necessarily agree with everything Cohen does, but he at least seems like an adult that knows how to make tough decisions. Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not shitting on Keith. I I don't think that's fair to Keith to be viewed. No, 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 no I'm not either. But just and it's not Keith's fault. Like Keith's 15 days on the permanent job. I think he'll do a decent job. I'm more speaking to the way the school has been run in the five years, like leading up to this in particular. I mean, really, you could go back further than that. This I, I I'm not talking about the way Keith Carter's managed things in his six days AD. I'm not that 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 is that's not the comparison I'm making here. Yeah, it, it's just – it's insane. Um, I don't know who hired Matt Luke. I got a clue, but uh, I hope you're happy this morning um, because, I, I, look, if, if if Dave Dorn is the head football coach at Ole Miss and they go five and seven, four and eight, I think you could sell it because I think you could say, look, we got, we got a football coach that has built the program before. Uh, he's going through some tough times. Now, he would have to win next year, but you could sell it, and you can't sell this crap. Well, yeah, because well, that's the point I've made a couple of times throughout the last couple of years. The season, the stadium wouldn't be as empty and there'd be better season ticket sales because people view Dorian as someone who had run a major power five program for basically what I'm trying to say is they view him as competent to where they view Matt Luke as incompetent. And so when you have a coach that's viewed as incompetent by most of your fan base, when you struggle, there's going to be no reason to like, I guess, for them to quote unquote persevere or buy back in or just buy in in general. Whereas if you have a guy that people are like, okay, he's been at NC State, he's a qualified head coach, someone else would have hired him maybe or considered it. Tennessee no Pride! Yeah, to where no, no one would have considered Matt Luke for any position other than offensive line coach. And so when you have – when you're run by someone that's viewed as incompetent and you're not functioning soundly, it's just – it compounds that and underscores just how bad everything is. Yep. I mean, I, I, I can't add on to that because I completely agree. Yeah, um, I guess any final thoughts on the Egg Bowl? That's I think I mean that's forty-five minutes. That's about that's about all I got. Like as far it was, as it was, it was the least, the less chippiest, at least chippiest Egg Bowl I've seen since twenty. You, I, I mean, even with the penalty, like there wasn't, there, it didn't seem to be as bad as as most Egg Bowls. So I guess that's a positive step forward. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's some extra creakers after some sure. plays, but I, I mostly agree. Um, Pat McAfee, how is he on the broadcast? I, I love McAfee. I, I figured Excellent. he pissed off some fans, though. No, he was really good. I didn't see anybody complaining about him. Uh, yeah. The, Dory Noka made me mad, though. And, and I like Dory, but every time there was any, like, thing that, that might be after the play, it was, here we go. It's like, bro, chill out. They're, they're, they're uh, that's uh, no, that's uh, Adam Amin or Amin. Oh, sorry, Dory. God, I'm so sorry. Either way, but I get your point. I think I called uh, 
Chris Burke, Dave DeLucci uh, back at during baseball season. Yeah, um, yeah, it was at it was Adam. I mean, you're right. It it, but, it just gets right on my nerves. Yeah, uh, McAfee was walking around the pregame in jorts. Yeah, uh, jorts, he saw that. I actually walked up behind onto the field pregame behind right behind him, and then kind of I creepily took a picture. But he walks on the field, and like sixty people just instantly come flocking for photos. And to his credit, he was happy to take all of them. But then he just goes and seeks out Richrod. I'm just sitting there thinking, what do you think Rich Rodriguez thinks of his kicker at West Virginia coming up and announcing the game in a uh, kind of baby blue-ish blazer and untucked button down and some jorts? Well, did he find Richrod? Yeah, no, they talked. They talked. If if Ole had won the game, I was going to ask Richrod what he thought of McAfee's jorts, but uh, <laughs> that wasn't something I was going to run by him after they lost. Yeah, he did. He, he probably wasn't too happy. No, he was actually very, uh, very much. Uh, I mean, he's not always the easiest to like, ask questions to after they lose, but he was okay last night. I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, look, he hasn't been. I think overall, I'd give him about a C minus as far as play calling this year. But I didn't think last night was one of his worst. No, no, no. There were much. There were much. I thought he was actually kind of okay last night, except for the second half. Um, That's the thing, though. Not to. I'm not. I hate. I'm done diving back in football. I think we've wrapped it up. But the thing is, though, if they just stuck with Plumley, even in a loss, you could kind of sell the last two and a half ish games of the season. They found a little something offensively sure. in terms of some semblance of balance. That's what makes the whole quarterback going back to Crowell even just weirder. And one last thing on that Matt Luke does not expect Matt Crowell to transfer. There's no way he thinks he's going to transfer because if he did, he wouldn't have put him in the game. He wouldn't say he was going to evaluate the quarterback decision. So he's going to be in for some hell of a news when he finds out what everybody else knows that the kid's going to Oregon. Maybe so, um, but I mean, Richrod kind of acknowledged like it'd be naive to think that in this day and age of college football, people wouldn't be thinking about transferring. And you could tell he was talking about Corral. Um, you know, he Matt Luke wasn't ready to address the quarterback thing, whatever. Uh, Rich Rodriguez like gave the whole like, well, it's always been an open competition. These guys compete every day. Like, what, you know, so I think they know what's happening. I think they know what's coming and. Whatever. I, I don't know. Anyway, there was a basketball game on Wednesday. Thank God for Kermit Davis. He's saving this university. Because seriously, if he sucked, I don't know where this place would be. They uh, So they beat Penn State 74-72. Erased a 21-point halftime deficit. Um, they're down 21 with 16 minutes to go in a the game. They, uh, I, I thought their, uh, the last seven minutes of their first half, against Memphis in the first like six minutes of the second half was kind of their worst stretch of the season. They immediately topped that with the first half they played in the Barclays Center <laughs> was their worst half of basketball of the season. Turned it over 14 times. Tyree and Schuler were held scoreless um, with four, I think, combined turnovers. They're down 14 they, or 16. They're really just getting run out of the gym. Um, but to their credit, really turned it on late and found a way to win the game. Uh K.J. Buffin played 39 minutes without fouling, had 19 points, nine re- 19 points, I think nine rebounds, six assists, and four steals. That'll that'll eat. That'll play, and, and, he, and he didn't foul. Um, yeah, no, he didn't. He played without fouling. And look, that's a guy that can affect the game in more ways than anyone on Ole Miss's roster. With his length, he's a smart player for the most part defensively. He still has some to learn. He still needs to learn to play without fouling. But you can tell he's savvying up. His steal at the end of the game, I know he missed the layup, but his steal at the game set up the Bryce Williams free throws that won the game. Um, really good game by Buffin. Seeing him not, I mean, seeing him uh, be able to play without fouling is certainly a encouraging sign for Kermit Davis. 
and this team. Bryce Williams' contribution off the bench, I think, was probably the difference in the game. He gave 15 points. He made three. It was three really big second-half three-pointers. And as Ole Miss, as their backup point guard thing is kind of still a mystery, they've been playing Bree in there some. If he can come in off the bench and give you 15 to 18 minutes a night, and be a decent shooter and a good ball handler, that's going to help them immensely. Uh, I I think he's kind of solidified that he's going to be in this throughout the rest of the year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He he, he played a heck of a ball game on on Friday. Uh, Brian got going a little bit in the second half. I I got some thoughts on that. But uh, just, yeah, gutty win, man. They never gave up. They were always playing hard. But for whatever reason, they could not stop turning the basketball over. Um, and I didn't really think it was a length issue where it was at Memphis. Um, but, buddy, they, they didn't turn it over one time in the second half. I figure some paint came off the wall at halftime. Yeah, I mean, that's the, probably the most concerning part of Ole Miss. They're, they're, uh, they're a team that's supposed to be driven by its guards, and that's back-to-back games where the guards have played really poorly for long stretches, which, I mean, the, that, like, that can't, if that becomes a trend, they're, they're sunk. Like, they, they have to get good production from both Tyree and Shewer. Shewer didn't score in this game. He's just kind of in a funk right now. I don't really know what it is. Um, Williams helped them overcome that. But, I mean, they're going to need Shewer to be much better. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, um, outside of that, I mean, it was a hell of a comeback. But if nothing else, the team, like, I, I mean, it's so cliche to say the team doesn't quit. But they, this team does kind of have a little bit of a uh, – Last year, like 17 to 18 team seemed a little bit mentally fragile, kind of quit on AK. Last year, they were a little bit stronger. This team actually seems to be fairly mentally tough. I mean, being down 21 like that and not mailing it in on a game. And, you know, I mean, they're playing a neutral site game in an empty gym and just getting run out and somehow found a way to come back from 21 points, 16 minutes. They seem to be a fairly mentally strong team. Oh, absolutely. Um, not going to be able to be mentally weak and play for Kermit Davis. So, uh, yeah, they, they, that was a heck of a job. They got an even bigger game tonight. Um, Oklahoma State's a good team. They lit Syracuse up. Uh, so, really big game for them tonight. If they can come out of this thing with that championship and come back home and play Butler, man, they've set themselves up well. Yeah, I think Syracuse may stink. I think this might be it for Bayheim. Um Didn't he, like, retire and then, like, unretire or something? Something like that. Like, it's one of those things where they can't really fire the guy and, like, I, I think I don't think they're very good though. Oklahoma State, very good team though, despite being served in NOA uh, recently. But yeah, what time is that game? Do you know? I don't have it in front of me. Eight or eight thirty. Um. Okay. So late night tonight. Um. But yeah, we'll get in. Um. So we'll have coverage of that. Super Talk FM. I'm sure I'll write something, put something up. Uh. You want to make some picks and get out of here? Sure. All right, so we already did the Thanksgiving games. I watched some Saints Falcons. Wait, did they almost covered right when, when we picked them? They were a point and a half. Depends on what you got. Yeah, no, that is true, but it depends on what you got it at because if, I don't know if you saw, but at all, I believe it closed at Ole Miss minus two. Maybe, maybe Elijah Moore had. Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, maybe Elijah Moore got his bet in early in the week. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe he was like, actually, to hell with this. I need to cash in uh, now. We don't need overtime. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Today you got Virginia, Virginia Tech. Oh no, we already did all the college games. I forgot. Yeah, we did that on yeah, Wednesday show. We just yeah. need the NFL. So let's Correct. just roll through the NFL. Correct. New York is plus six and a half at home against Green Bay. If there's any way to get your offense right, it's playing the Giants defense. I think Green Bay steam rolls them. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Carolina minus ten at home against the Redskins. I guess Carolina. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what do you there's nothing to make of this. 
I don't know. I'll take the Redskins to be contrarian, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. Matchup of the day. Surprise this wasn't flexed to a late game. Uh, Baltimore minus five and a half at home against San Francisco. I think I'm still going to go Baltimore here. I think San Francisco is good, but Lamar Jackson, it appears. Th- there's eventually going to be some kind of correction where they figure teams figure this out a little bit, but that's not right now. He looks essentially unstoppable. I'm agreeing. I'm in agreement with you. I don't think that uh, I don't think there's any doubt Baltimore's going to win that football game. Yeah, Indianapolis minus two and a half at home against the uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is I, crucial division game. Titans always find a way to cough this up, um, but they've been kind of a new team under Mark uh, under uh, Ryan Tannehill. They're averaging like twenty eight and a half points a game to complement what's a top five defense in the NFL. I'll go the Titans. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. Yeah, Titans. Kansas City is now minus 10 over Oakland. I think Oakland's decent enough, and Kansas City doesn't play disciplined enough to where I think this game is much closer. This is a crucial AFC West divisional game. I'll go Oakland. Uh, I'll go Kansas City, but I don't feel good about it. Most electric player in the NFL, Jameis Winston, is a two-point road favorite at Jacksonville. Go Bucks. Uh, Yeah, sure. Why not? Jets. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> The Bengals are a field goal underdog at home against the Jets. Jets have kind of found something. Bengals stink. Jets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, how, how would you bet on the Bengals? Uh, yeah, exactly. Arizona plus three at home against the Rams. I, I'm going Arizona here. Maybe like sucker, but like the Rams, not good. Um, I like Kyler Murray. Yeah, why not? Uh, Pittsburgh plus two and a half at home against Cleveland. Devlin, the duck caller Hodges, is actually playing this game. Cleveland can get back to 500 if they win this. I think Cleveland wins this. I don't really buy Pittsburgh. I'm going to take Pittsburgh. Probably the smart play. Houston plus three and a half at home against uh, New England on Sunday night football. I don't really trust the Texans, but I think they need this win more. And the Patriots are not explosive at all offensively. Road game. I actually go Texans here. I The, the uh, Texans are this, the team that I can't quit. Like, I, I, I want them to be good so badly, and they're really just kind of not. But, yeah, sure, I'll take them. Monday Night Football, Seahawks minus three against the Vikings. I'm not exactly sure how good Seattle is. They've just won a bunch of close games. Kirk Cousins finally got one done in a primetime game. I don't trust him here, though, Seattle. Yeah, agreed. I don't, is he really going to do anything against that defense? Yeah, that's about all we got today. I guess it is announcement time. Uh, uh, I fired Colin. <laughs> That is how that works. No. Um, so we are making a podcast change. Colin is leaving us. Uh, he got, I mean, do you want to say where you're going or do you, up to you? Sorry. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm going to start with uh, Ben Garrett. And we just kind of figured that uh, if, if, if we did two podcasts, it would kind of oversaturate the market. So I'm, I'm moving to Ben's podcast and, and I figure, uh, I figure you've got uh, plans for the future with this. Yeah, so Colin is getting uh, better monetary compensation for this. And as you know from the radio show, I'm a devout socialist in trying to find Venezuela. So I don't agree with being able to be paid for your labor. But uh, that is what Colin is elected to do. No, also, uh, joking aside, like, this is, uh, I mean, like, look, if you're going to do this, like, you want, obviously, getting paid for something is better than not. Colin's helped me out a ton over the last couple of months. This has been a ton of fun. We can still do some baseball stuff in the spring, but he is hopping over on the 247 network and doing that with Ben. So go check that out at Talk of Champions, I believe, is the podcast. Yes. Um, and then I'll give Ben a swift kick of the dick for stealing away my co-host uh, next time I see him. But this has been fun, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, this isn't really like you. Like, I mean, 
like this is an actual like a like a departure here. Like we'll still do some baseballs and stuff in the spring, but as far as regular Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Colin will now be over there. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, that that will that that that's certainly fair. But uh, yeah, I've absolutely enjoyed it. it. It's you know, I mean, uh, get getting to talk Ole Miss sports, obviously. I mean, is is something I'm passionate about. So yeah, it's 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 been fun and. Uh, gonna gonna get, gonna join with Ben. I think I'm starting officially that uh, on Tuesday. Ben was Ben didn't want to talk about the uh, football game last night. Uh, for today, yeah, I can't uh, I can't really blame him there. So uh, yeah, it's it's been fun though. I'm sure we'll, we'll certainly do some baseball stuff. Uh, you think about it, baseball's not but three months away. It's crazy that seems. It seems like you were in Ar- Little Rock or not Little Rock, Fayetteville, Arkansas, not too long ago, uh, watching Ole Miss blow a super regional. Yeah, no, I mean, really, it's kind of before that because you're going to start having media ops and stuff in practice in January. So, like, better go really by God. Like, yeah, for, for really, because Mike will get pissed. So, from a coverage standpoint, you're talking like, you know, month and a half, two months out. So, that should be fun. As far as viewership, if you're wondering, this doesn't really affect anything. Borky is sliding in. Um, and we're still going to do the Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. But now I think I'm going to change, take this opportunity to change it up a little bit. I'm also probably, we we're talking about changing the name. Um, so Colin's departure basically just gives me a chance to get rid of this terribly uncreative name. Um, but aside, aside from that, not much changing me and Borky will still have you Monday, Wednesday, Friday, nothing's changing there. And then I'm probably going to change it up to where I'm going to be a little more liberal about doing just like separate podcasts with the other guests like Bracken Ray or whatever. And just kind of randomly, uh, putting that kind of stuff out there, you, but you should, you should start a Twitter poll for the names. That is a very good idea. Or not even a poll because I need suggestions. I'm just going to have people hurl <laughs> suggestions at me because I really don't have any, any good ideas. That's why it's stuck around the same. But anyway, so that was kind of our announcement. Not a huge deal. I mean, it's one of those things. Colin, moving on, better opportunity. You know, I mean, like you said, better to get paid for your work than, than to not get paid. But like I said, we'll still do some baseball, some other stuff in the future. But college just hopping basically over next door. So... <laughs> Anyway, I uh, I appreciate it. This has been fun. Me and Borky will be back at it on Monday. If you got anything else, do you have one final word for the people? Uh yeah, no, it just it's it's been fun. I do worry. Uh, we we finally get this intro, and my name's in the intro. So what are we what are we gonna do with that? I'm gonna have to ask the intro. Uh, well, one, there will be no intro today because it's on a file stored in a computer in Oxford, and I'm on Skype. But uh, I guess that will have to be changed unless I might just call Borky Colin. I don't really know. <laughs> just, so, just pretend, yeah. Yeah, so we're back. Uh, I, I didn't even think about that. We're back to an intro issue again. So uh, it we'll have a new one ready in five months. Um, so <laughs> back from Ukraine. For, uh, for one last time, for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Ribby. This has been the Egg Bowl Reaction <laughs> Podcast. We'll be back at it on Monday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.